Good morning, West Alabama, and welcome to another edition of Town Square Media Tuscaloosa's weekly public affairs program, West Alabama On Point. Each week, we bring you the people and personalities, events and issues that impact the people of Tuscaloosa Northport, Tuscaloosa County and West Alabama, the state, the nation, and the world. I'm your host, Don Hartley. Thank you for being with us this morning. The coronavirus is spreading farther and faster than worldwide health experts originally thought. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is warning of an uptick in coronavirus cases in the U.S. in coming days and weeks. Currently, despite the first death in the U.S. from the virus, President Trump continues to assure the nation the virus is under control. We're doing really well, very, very professionally handled. Our country is prepared for any circumstance. We hope it's not going to be a major circumstance. It'll be a smaller circumstance. But whatever the circumstance is, we're prepared. And I'd like to just ask and uh, caution that the media, we would respectfully ask the media and politicians and everybody else involved not do anything to incite a panic because there's no reason to panic. The death was a medically high-risk man in Washington state. Vice President Mike Pence, who is the new czar for the coronavirus, is urging U.S. residents not to travel to areas in Italy and South Korea where the outbreak is most severe. We are going to increase to the highest level of advisory, which is level four, advising Americans do not travel to specific regions in Italy and South Korea. President's also directed the State Department uh, to work with our allies in Italy and in South Korea to coordinate a screening, a medical screening, in their countries of any individuals that are coming in to the United States of America. And we look forward to working with them in a collaborative uh, and a cooperative way. The coronavirus can negatively impact the elderly and the extremely young. But Dr. Robert Redfield, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention director, says most people who get coronavirus will not need to seek medical attention. For the vast majority of individuals who contract the novel coronavirus, they will experience mild to moderate symptoms, and their treatment will be to remain at home, treating their symptoms the way they would a severe cold, or the flu. But this California nurse does not believe everything is under control. I'm not sure that we're adequately prepared in our local hospitals. Concern over the virus came to Alabama last weekend when a furor developed over plans by the Department of Health and Human Services to transport coronavirus patients from the cruise ship Diamond Princess in Japan to the Department of Homeland Security's Center for Domestic Preparedness Center in Anniston. Senator Richard Shelby, Governor Ivey, and members of the U.S. House delegation, like Congressman Mike Rogers, who represents the area, fought it. Uh, the Center for Domestic Preparedness is a training facility for first responders. It is not equipped to deal with infectious disease control. We have about five states in the country that are set up for this. The problem HHS and Health and Human Services ran into is their abatic capacity. So they were looking for overflow uh, locations. And for some reason, some knucklehead thought the Center for Domestic Preparedness was a good option. They were basically going to house these uh, infected individuals in a barracks where they house the first responders that come in from around the country every week for training. And this is an airborne contagion. It, it was a crazy idea. Uh, they didn't ask the local community. They didn't talk with the local hospital. They didn't do any of that kind of uh, advanced work. 
the truth is these are Americans, and we want them to be treated like we'd want to be treated. But this is not a, this is not a facility that's equipped for that sort of uh, uh, event. The facility does house the old Fort McClellan Army Hospital that's used to train first responders. The controversy that ensued over this, though, highlighted the fear of the virus and possible unpreparedness. Just what is the coronavirus, and what's it capable of doing? This morning, we hope to define the virus, what it has done, why it's spreading so far so fast, and what health experts are doing and recommending to reduce the threat of the virus becoming a worldwide pandemic. The coronavirus and a look ahead to Super Tuesday Election Day right here on the Sunday, March 1st, 2020 edition of West Alabama On Point. Did you know that heart disease is the single leading cause of death in Alabama and that our state has the second highest rate of deaths related to heart disease across the entire nation? These statistics might sound alarming, but the good news is that coronary artery disease is highly preventable by modifying risk factors. Tobacco use is a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease, so visit quitnowalabama.com if you're looking for free assistance in kicking the habit. Two-thirds of Alabamians are overweight or obese, which is another risk for heart disease, so be sure to exercise and increase fruit and vegetable consumption. Some risk factors such as age, sex, and heredity cannot be changed, so it's even more important for us to manage our modifiable risk factors. According to the American Heart Association, a long-term, healthy lifestyle is the best defense against these risks. For more information, visit alabamapublichealth.gov. The coronavirus is technically known by health professionals as COVID-19, COVID-19. But just what is it? Dr. Lisa Marigakis is Senior Director of Infection Prevention at Johns Hopkins University. She tells us. So the whole family of coronaviruses are named coronavirus because corona means crown. And so this refers to the way that the virus looks under the microscope, like there's a crown uh, on the top of the virus. Some of them, four or five different kinds, cause common diseases among humans. Everything from the common cold to mild or moderate respiratory illnesses. Other kinds of coronaviruses affect animals. And sometimes, on rare occasions, we see coronaviruses jump from animal species into the human population. It is a new kind of coronavirus we haven't seen among humans before. The theory is that it may have jumped from an animal species into the human population and then begun spreading. We have seen some people that have died of this disease, and we know that there are already thousands of cases. So people are concerned because we don't yet know exactly how severe the disease will be or how far it will spread. When a new virus emerges, we often have to learn much more about it. And one of the things that uh, we question is how does it transmit from person to person? We know that most respiratory viruses are spread by large droplets that come out when people cough and sneeze and stay aloft usually for about six feet in front of them. Um, they land on surfaces and then can also be transmitted between 
person to person by touching those surfaces, such as doorknobs or other surfaces. Other viruses can spread in the air and stay aloft for a longer period of time in small droplet nuclei. For this current 2019 coronavirus, we're not yet sure whether it is droplet or airborne transmission. So we're erring on the side of caution and taking protection um, as if it was spread by the airborne route. We're still learning a lot about this 2019 novel coronavirus to understand how dangerous it might be. Right now, the majority of the cases are in China. Uh, we know that some travelers have brought the virus to other countries, including the United States. I think one of the main things to keep in mind is that this is respiratory virus season, and we have other respiratory viruses like influenza that we need to take precautions because we know we have thousands of cases and thousands of deaths in this country every year from influenza. And the flu is currently still impacting more people and has created more fatalities than the coronavirus in the United States. But will that continue to be the case? Dr. Diane Suchet is the principal deputy director of the CDC. Now it's not so much a question of if this will happen anymore, but rather more a question of exactly when this will happen and how many people in this country will become infected and how many of those will develop severe or more, dif uh, more uh, complicated disease. Scientists can't tell yet how deadly the new virus is. The fatality rate, for instance, differs from country to country, even within China, where it started. Dr. Bruce Alward, the World Health Organization envoy who led a team of scientists just back from China, had a warning. The global community is simply not yet ready in mindset or with the materials to implement the measures that have been employed. The only successful measures we know so far to contain COVID-19 as it has in, here in China. What worries me most is, has the rest of the world learned the lesson of speed? Um, you know, we have outbreaks in multiple countries right now increasing at exponential growth rates. Dr. Albert is an epidemiologist. He's telling the world to learn from the 1918 worldwide Spanish flu pandemic that killed 50 million people, almost three quarters of a million right here in the United States. In 1918, officials, especially political officials, t tended to play down the threat. Granted, they didn't have the communications we do now, but they still didn't want to alarm people. Soldiers coming home to the countries across Europe and back to the United States helped transmit the flu to huge numbers of people. Viruses do not respect borders, and Dr. Alward fears the initial slow response to the coronavirus may have already assured that it will become a pandemic and pandemics pose a serious threat to global stability, security, and economy. In this country, Congress seems to be on the right track by creating a public health emergency fund. The Trump administration has asked Congress for $2.5 billion to counter the virus and produce a vaccine for it. But Senate Appropriations Chair Richard Shelby, Alabama Republican U.S. Senator and from Tuscaloosa, told Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar during a public hearing he fears the administration is underplaying the threat and lowballing the cost. It seems to me as I, at the outset that uh, this request uh, for the money, the supplemental, is lowballing it possibly, and you can't afford to do that. I hope the administration, we want to help the administration, we want to help you do your job. But if you lowball something like this, uh, you'll pay for it later. 
But you're not only dealing with the crisis, you're dealing with the perception and the concern of the American people, right? Both at the same time. Uh, I know you can't develop a vaccine and, and immunize everybody in America from something that's just fallen on us all at once and, and, uh, uh, and the world really coming out, Sean. Uh, but what are you specifically doing? What are, what are your guidelines in this administration to contain this in America? We do not want this to spread. If it spreads, it, it's going to be hard to contain. Well, what are you doing and what do you propose to do? So we're taking— and What's the, your message yep. to the American people? They'll be watching this here. So the, the steps that the president has taken are the most aggressive containment measures ever uh -huh. in history in terms of travel restrictions at our borders, funneling passengers, restricting foreigners from coming into our country if they've been in China, travel restrictions and advisories to countries, um, in addition to, of course, the, the solid state and local public health response, uh -huh. which actually identified all but one of the 14 cases here in the United States. Um, one of them was identified through our aggressive screening measures at the 11 funneling airports. Um, so that's part of it. But then the aggressive measures we need now are we have a historic opportunity with a vaccine. We've developed a vaccine candidate. Um, that should, Dr. Fauci talked about that in the Wall Street Journal today, go into clinical trials, we hope, within three months from development. That would be a historic development of a product. We are supporting and working with manufacturers on potential therapeutics that could be cures or mitigation for individuals who contract this. So we work to contain as much as possible, but at some point, if there is sustained human-to-human -human transmission, we also work to mitigate through our traditional public health tools. Um, and and that's what, those are the steps that we would take. I was very clear when we enacted our containment measures at the border, we cannot hermetically seal off the United States to a no, virus. No. And we need to be realistic about that. And so this virus, we Life will have more cases. goes on in some form. It, it does, and we'll have more cases in the United States. And we've been very transparent about that. And we will then work to mitigate the impact of those. And when does it get to the point in the U.S., uh, you say we're going, we'll have more cases. I think that's logical. Uh, of uh, uh, where we're over-concerned, or we're really concerned. Is it because it spreads city to city? Well, we, we always look for sustained human-to-human -human transmission. But you've got to have these models, and you? We do. We do. So what we look for is sustained human-to-human -human transmission, especially that's un unidentified. Mm -hmm. That's what's particularly concerning about Iran and Italy right now is we've got apparently sustained human-to-human -human transmission with no identifiable, identifiable connection to existing cases. That is very, very concerning to see that. And now we have cases in the United States where there is no discernible link to travel in Asia or exposure to a known person with the virus, and that has health officials concerned. Nancy Mezignier is director for the National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. Sadly, this includes the first reported death in the United States from COVID-19, as well as the first reported case in a healthcare worker and the first possible outbreak in a skilled nursing facility. This brings to 22 the number of cases in the U.S. that have been detected by our public health system. We are still early in the investigations in California, Oregon, and Washington. However, this preliminary information raises our level of concern about the immediate threat for COVID-19 for certain communities in the United States. The greatest risk is to those who are in close contact with people with COVID-19. 
people with suspected or confirmed exposure should reach out to their healthcare provider. While there is some spread in some communities, there is not national spread of COVID-19. CDC and the federal government are working to keep it that way. While the overall risks to Americans are low, we recognize that these populations of people who are medically fragile would be at higher risk if there is transmission in their communities. Meanwhile, back on Capitol Hill, Health Secretary Azar was assuring Senator Shelby the administration wants to work with Congress to find a solution. Of course, if Congress differs with the power of the purse, we will work with you, provide technical assistance to try to make sure it meets what you, what view, you view as the needs are. And there are some members of Congress who do indeed differ on the amount of funding needed. Not surprisingly, they are mostly Democrats. New York senior senator and Senate minority leader Chuck Schumer is requesting $8 billion. The spending request is more than three times the $2.5 billion requested by the Trump administration. Trump's request included $1.25 billion in new funding, with the rest to be taken from existing health programs, including $535 million from fighting Ebola. But Schumer's request would be comprised entirely of new funding. That funding would include $1.5 billion for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, $3 billion for the Public Health and Social Services Emergency Fund, and $2 billion that would reimburse states and local governments for money they spend related to the coronavirus. It would also include $1 billion for vaccine development at the National Institutes of Health and $1 billion for the Emergency Reserve Fund under the U.S. Agency for International Development. Dr. Anthony Fauci is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He believes more money will eventually be needed. Well, you know, when the secretary was talking about the $2.5 billion, that was really a start, a down payment. We need that now, and hopefully we'll get it. But I think in the future, as we get into the next fiscal year, there certainly will be additional requirements. Dr. Fauci is also urging Americans to separate the political comments and the media hype from the fact. And that is, he says the Trump administration and the CDC's comments aren't all that far apart. Well, you know, in many respects, when you look carefully at those statements, they're not as contradictory as you might think. When you look at what's happening today in the United States, The cases we have are well-contained and well-controlled. I believe that's what the president was referring to. When you talk about what the CDC was saying, and I agree with them, that even though it's well-contained now, what's going on in the rest of the world is making it look more and more like we will have something that either is or approaches a pandemic. And if we do, we need to be prepared as to what steps we'll take to mitigate that. And that's what the CDC was saying, that if it happens, we need to do this, this and this. So in some respects, there wasn't as much, you know, contradiction there as people thought. The U.S. shut down flights to and from China once the virus was detected. However, now that it's spreading around the world, Dr. Fascia doesn't believe we can isolate ourselves from the rest of the world. No, I don't think at all that that will happen. And that's one of the things when you have a pandemic that involves multiple countries, travel restrictions become almost irrelevant because you can't keep out the entire world. When it was focused only on China, we had a period of time, temporary, that we could do a travel restriction, 
that prevented cases from coming into the United States. But when you have multiple countries involved, it's very difficult to do that. In fact, it's impossible. The president talked about a vaccine, but Dr. Fauci says don't expect one anytime soon. I mean, we're going to go into a phase one trial in about a month and a half, two months, which is the fastest anyone has ever done it. But going into a phase one trial for safety doesn't mean that you have a vaccine that you could deploy widely to 10, 20, 30, 100 million people. So that's going to take at least a year to a year and a half to get to that point, no matter how fast we go. Dr. Anthony Filesi is director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. As the world's anxiety increases over the spread of the COVID-19 or coronavirus, WWL reporter Dave Cohen tells us the virus is on its way to Louisiana to be studied in monkeys. Coronavirus samples are arriving here in Greater New Orleans for study at the Tulane University Primate Research Center. They're going to study it in the lab and in animals, looking for ways to treat it and combat it. But it might be a while. We might find that in the animal model it works great, but there could be years after that to get this approved for human use. Dr. Skip Baum says people should not be worried about the disease spreading through the community from the Primate Research Center. A press release from Tulane University says the goal of the research is aimed at the earliest disease detection to provide better predictors of disease progression, rapid differentiation of coronavirus species, and a real-time monitoring of how patients respond to treatments so those treatments can be improved and outcomes bettered. It's not just the health of people that is of great concern from the virus. San Francisco, which has a huge Chinese population and depends greatly on tourism, has seen its economy take a direct hit from the coronavirus fears, especially in Chinatown. Stores and restaurants there have been fairly empty. It's prompted Mayor London Breed to issue a state of emergency in the city by the bay. To be clear, this declaration of emergency is all about preparedness. It's all about preparedness. While we have no active cases in San Francisco at this time, we are focusing our efforts on protecting the people who live and work here. And we want to be ready for what we anticipate may come our way. Closer to home here in Alabama, Jacksonville State University has suspended all travel internationally for students, faculty, and staff. The University of Alabama has also done the same thing for travel to China. The coronavirus has also stoked fear on Wall Street. ABC's Rebecca Jarvis tells us the nation and world's economy has caught the virus. And it's that coronavirus uncertainty which sent the Dow plunging more than a thousand points, its worst day in more than two years. And here's the issue. Many U.S. companies do significant amounts of business in China. It's a manufacturing hub for companies like Apple, like Nike, but also a number of small businesses who manufacture their products there and then sell them here. Things like iPhones, which Apple has already said we're facing temporary shortages of because the factories there have been shut indefinitely. Plus, there are things like the ingredients that go into U.S. healthcare products, U.S. antibiotics, the FDA. 
FDA now reportedly potentially looking at drug shortages because of the ingredients coming from there. And the concern now going forward is this is now spreading to more than 32 countries, and that has major economic consequences. And those economic implications could include the Port of Mobile, which sees Chinese imports and export ships every week. Jimmy Lyons is CEO of the Port of Mobile. You know, we could see a ship uh, skip Mobile as early as the next week and see some interruption. And, uh, you know, there's a it's a, like a domino effect. Hilda Duckworth is director of international trade for the state of Alabama. She fears the state's agriculture and booming automotive industry could be negatively impacted. We're more anxious about the supply chain in the long term because so many of our companies uh, import parts from China. Um, so now we're a little concerned that we've got another hiccup in the movement of goods. The Alabama Department of Tourism is concerned the impact the virus could have on the large numbers of Chinese and other foreign tourists who come to Alabama each year. Alabama officials are looking at potentially postponing an upcoming train trip to China due to the virus. And an even more personal impact from the coronavirus economically is note from Coca-Cola that their beloved Diet Coke could be impacted due to a shortage of sucralose. It comes from China. A glance at Super Tuesday is next. Green light. Hey girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah. Street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Tuesday is Super Tuesday in Alabama and 13 other states and American Samoa. At the top of the list on the Democratic Party side of the ballot is Joe Biden, just ahead of Benny Sanders for the Democratic presidential nomination. Biden is joining former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg and Sanders in big media blitzes leading up to the party primaries. The political ad features his old boss, Barack Obama, when he was president extolling Biden's virtues. This is an extraordinary man with an extraordinary career in public service. 13.5 million, Amy Klobuchar, 3.5 million, Pete Buttigieg, 1.6 million, Elizabeth Warren, 916,000, Tom Steyer, 35 million. On the GOP side of the ballot, the main interest swirls around the political future of former Alabama U.S. Senator Jeff Sessions and his attempt to gain the party's nomination for his old office. The former U.S. Attorney General is squaring off against former Auburn football coach Tommy Tuberville. South Alabama Congressman Bradley Byrne and perennial political candidate and former State Chief Justice Roy Moore. Polls show Sessions with a slight lead over Tuberville, with Byrne a distant third and Moore an even further back fourth. There are a host of congressional and local initiatives up for grabs. Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill believes the Democratic presidential primary and the Republican senatorial primary will spark big interest. Well, I think we're going to have the highest turnout in the history of the state when that vote is cast November the 3rd, 2020. We broke every record in the history of the state with our voter participation 
in November, November 8th, 2016, with 2.1 million Alabamians going to the polls. There are claims again this year the Russians are attempting to meddle in the elections. How do you allay those fears that Alabama voters may have about that? thing that your listeners need to remember, we're working hard every day to ensure the integrity and the credibility of the process and to make sure that our cybersecurity strength is where it needs to be. We just received a $6.9 million grant from the Congress. Uh, we are going to use those resources to help introduce electronic poll books throughout the state of Alabama. Uh, that will put us in a position to reduce the wait time and also to increase security uh, from a technological perspective at the local polling site at all 2,499 polling sites. Uh, 30 plus counties already have the electronic poll books, but we want to introduce that in all 67. We also want to make sure that people know we've got a dual authentication system that's in place with voter registration efforts. So we know who is actually accessing our voter rolls, confirming new registrants and eliminating people that should not be on the voter rolls because they've moved away, they've passed away or they've been put away. And last but not least, we want to make sure that people know we've replaced all election computers in all 67 counties and our office absorbed 100% of that cost. We didn't charge that back to any county in the state of Alabama. And those are things we're encouraged about, we're excited about, and we continue to look forward to. Polls will be open from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. And you can find your polling place and a sample ballot at the Alabama Secretary of State's website at sos.alabama.gov. That's sos.alabama.gov. There are a couple of changes in polling places in Tuscaloosa County. Voters in Ward 24 will cast their ballots at Soma Church at 212 44th Court Northeast instead of Holt Elementary. The other change affects voters in Ward 45 who will now vote at Grace Presbyterian Church at 113 Hargrove Road instead of Mount Pilgrim Baptist Church. That's West Alabama on point for this first Sunday in March, the beginning of the primary severe weather season in Alabama. I'm your host, Don Hartley. Join us again next week for another edition of West Alabama On Point. Have a blessed week.